sit right down, ante up. All the stories are true, ain't no time for bluffs. Got an ace in the hole, is it funny or sad? What about that time when you molested your dad? Cause it's story poker, that's the name of the game. We play every week and ain't no story the same. Story poker plays, telling their tales. One head to head, gotta play your best or you'll wind up dead. Hello and welcome to this episode of Story Poker! I'm Jeffrey Baldinger. And I'm Omid Singh. Thank you for tuning in. This is our second episode in our six-episode lead-up to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this August 2017. Omid and I are taking Story Poker to Scotland for seven days, August 21st through the 27th, where comics of all nationalities get to compete for Story Poker glory. Story Poker will be at the Counting House in the Ballroom all week at 13.45. That's 1.45 p.m. for those not on 24-hour time. Please check us out, Story Poker, in the Fringe catalog. We'll be giving you more updates about Scotland as we get closer to those dates. In the meantime, let's get right into this episode. Today, we had just a powerhouse group of comics. We got Emily Maya Mills, Renee Gauthier, Jeremiah Watkins, Ryan Sickler, and Yakov Smirnoff. It was such a great experience sitting down at the table with all of these amazing performers, but I especially felt honored having Yakov do the show. And after listening, you'll see why he's considered a legend. In Story Poker, everyone starts with an ante, which is the title of a prepared story, the hand, the player wants to tell. Jeffrey then picks which ante he thinks is most interesting, and that player gets the privilege of playing their hand and starting off the betting. Once the first hand has been played, all other players must adjust and come up with new, true stories that relate in some way to the initial hand. Really easy to pick up. Let's just get right into it. Yakov Smirnov's ante was selected to start round one with the phrase, Roommates with Andrew Dice Clay. He bet a thousand in chips, so without further ado, I'm Jeffrey Baldinger. And I'm Omid Singh. And this is Story Poker! So, um, Andrew and I met uh, at the Rodney Dangerfield Club. Uh, both of us did the first professional appearance together. He scared the crap out of me <laughs> um, by talking to me, you know, in AYAC, you and I will make it big. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking, how do I get out of here? And so I, um, I left New York because of that and, uh, and went to LA and I thought I'll never see Andrew again. But then um, um, I started, Mitzi Shore was uh, renting rooms in this big house, comedy house, and and so I um, I rented one of the rooms, and a few days later I hear the knock on the door, open the door, and it's Andrew, and he says, "Yeah, you and I, we're now roomies. We're going to be roomies." So he was teaching me English, and um, <laughs> I had to start all over again later on. <laughs> that's that's my story. We're still friends. We're still good friends. I actually was just called to do a, a, a cameo on his show. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you weren't cut out of it. Uh, no, no, no. I, 
uh, is a lot of people get cut out? Oh, just me. Oh, well, <laughs> well tell us the story. Awesome. That's great story. Yeah. I thought that was an awesome story. I personally love hearing any stories about old comedy days. Same here. He had me hooked as soon as he mentioned the Dangerfield Club, because, I mean, Rodney was my favorite of all time. I would have loved to just delve deeper into that. Yeah, I mean, try to think of a story that has, you know, Yakov Smirnoff involved with Andrew Dice Clay, and then you drop in Dangerfield. It's like the trifecta of, like, the days. 100% agree. That's why I think it was such a great way to start the round. It opens up everything that you just talked about, Dangerfield, Dice Clay, the days of uh, comedy. Plus, uh, you got roommates trying to make it in Hollywood, starting off in New York, the comedy store. The story was only a minute long, but it included so many avenues that this round could really go anywhere. And honestly, I could listen to Yakov tell those types of stories all day long. He came to play, and I can't wait to hear the rest of the round. So let's keep this round going. Next up, we have Emily Maya Mills, who actually raised to 2,000 in chips. I'm very excited to hear her hand. Emily, let's hear what you got. Okay, so let's see. Yeah, I'll tell my story about being on set for that show. Fuck right. it. Uh, I thought it was... So I, so I go in, it's like a part... First of all, why did I even get it? I was going to be playing one of his ex-girlfriends that he calls around to find out what was so wrong with him at the time, or what is like inherently so wrong with him as a lover and a boyfriend. I can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the first part of it that I thought was so unbelievable is that for some reason I just don't think of myself as Andrew Dice Clay fuckable. Like, do you, is that, does that make sense? Like, I just don't know quite even why I was cast in the first place. Like, I don't buy it. I don't believe that I would have been someone that he would have chosen. Like, I don't know if it's... the. When I get called out for acting roles, it's uh, for real but not ugly, uh, real but not a model, charactery but not too weird or fucked up looking. <laughs> you know, all of these things where it's just like, it's a different vibe than like an 80s Vanna White type. I don't know what I would imagine it would look like, but not this. I was in a car acting by myself with nobody on a phone call. And the director wasn't even there. It was like the AD was directing. <laughs> Are you sure it was for a show? I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know. Uh, maybe that's why I didn't make it into the final cut. Uh, but my favorite part about it was sitting in hair and makeup. And his girlfriend at this time was working in hair and makeup. She kept getting phone calls from him. She'd just be like, I don't know, sweetie, where are you? And he would call her instead of like looking up where he needed to go on the map. He would just call her and be like, I don't know where I am. And then she would be like, well, I don't know either. Where are you? And he'd go, I don't know. And they did this like five or six times. It was amazing. And he finally made it and showed up. And it was like the cutest thing. They were very cute together. They got him there. But it's just made me laugh that that's like, Probably how most of his days go is just like <laughs> calling people and being like, I don't know where I am. Right now. <laughs> so can you tell me oh, how the roommates? Yeah, let me roommates with you. Yeah, right. yeah, the end of that story is that I got an email that I was cut out of the show. Okay. Oh. Yes. Oh. Thank you. That was a great story. I think Emily Maya Mills knows how to connect with every actor who's ever been cut out of something. I was in a Petco commercial. And I didn't make it because my cat didn't have the right collar or something, so I don't get residual checks now because of that stupid cat. Hilarious. And I think it was a really strong raise, too, because she took what Yakov was talking about, which was 
the ridiculousness that is dealing with Andrew Dice Clay and then also adding a Hollywood aspect in the sense that she got cut out of his show, which is hilarious. It was a great hand played by a great player. Next up, we have Renee Gauthier, who called Emily's hand. I thought it was a good call. So, Renee, let's hear it. Mine is I work on a TV show uh, where we invite celebrities on to fake sing. Don Cheadle was going to do Mo Money, Mo Problems, Bad Boy for Life. Biggie Smalls featured, okay? So uh, <laughs> Biggie Smalls is dead, so he couldn't come uh, to Cameo. Uh, P. Diddy said no, essentially. Uh, so who flies in? Mace, the rapper, who, in my opinion, is like that first, like, lazy rapper. Because I think right now rap is super lazy. You're just like, yeah, so panda, 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 panda. And you're like, what are you, what's happening? Anyway, he was the pioneer. He was the number one. Uh, lazy rapper. I didn't ever think I wanted to talk to Mace until I saw Mace. I don't know what happened. And he looked at me and licked his lips, and I was like, oh, I don't know why that feels okay. <laughs> like, it felt, it felt okay. It felt wrong and right. And uh, I got him his water. And I was wearing a T-shirt. I, I looked worse than this. I was wearing a T-shirt, probably this flannel, that said, ah, holy shit, I love tacos. Which could be taken one of two ways, like in the world, you know, in the in the world that we know it, yeah. And he didn't even care; he took a chance. And he's like watching my monitor with me, <laughs> and I'm standing there, and I go, "So, like, this is great that you could do this." He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "We'll talk." And then <laughs> I was like, oh, "I heard you guys are touring. Like, you're." And he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna be in Inglewood. Do you want to come to the show?" And I was like. <laughs> Yeah, I do. Like, do I love, like, mediocre rap over an 80 sample? Yeah, I do. You know what I mean? Bad boy for life. That's me. Um, so then he's like, okay, uh, let me get your information. And immediately someone grabs him to go get his foil suit on. And in my head, I don't know why, I was, like, nervous. Like, we had gone on a date, and I didn't know if he was going to call again. And I was like, oh, my God, he didn't get my information. And I don't know how I'm going to get to this concert. And like all of this is like, you're at work. Get it together. And so then I literally go like this. You know what? I'm going to let it go. If he's meant to come back and get my information, he will. Like some guru of like base. And he does his thing. Goes, crowd goes crazy. He's back next to me in this foil suit. He goes, hey. I'm like, hi. It was great. And he's like, I didn't... Uh, I didn't get your information. And I go, okay. <laughs> the universe? Okay. So I go, um, do you want my email? Or how do you, you don't have to navigate. I don't know how to navigate that. I'm sweating. I'm sweating yeah. now talking about it. <laughs> so what do you need? The taco. What, you, what the is it that you need? The taco sweating yeah. in a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, spicy. And so ah. I'm standing there and he, I go, he goes, nah. I'll take your phone number. You're hot. And I was like, I can't believe Mace just called me hot. Like, who cares? But on the other, I was just like, no, I'm not. Like, I became a loser. Gave him my phone number. He ghosts out. I never see him again. Okay? But later, we have all these amazingly beautiful backup dancers. Like, they're so hot. They're, like, really hot. And when someone calls you hot, you go find the next hottest person and you tell them that now you're also hot. <laughs> you're like, wait to hear this story. I'm hot too. Um, so I tell her what happened and she goes, oh. And I'm like, what? She goes, he's hitting on everybody. Oh. And I go, I go, oh, yeah, and me. Oh. Like, and me. 
All right, bitches? Like, it would be way worse if he hit on all of you and not me. That would be way more hurtful. He never called. Oh, but I like right. to think I'm in his phone as like glasses. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's my name. Yeah. All right. I wish I could up the ante on that with my Vincent Gallo story. I really enjoyed this story. I thought it was a perfect call. Renee Gautier connected her hands so beautifully to both Emily's and Yakov's stories of basically life in the entertainment business. I agree, and I think it also opened the doors a little bit for the other storytellers because we got relationships now involved. People can pull on their stories about that. Uh, And I love that Mace. Out of all the characters you could want to be with, Mace to me is just really funny. Great call. And let's hear this next story by Ryan Sickler. So, Yakov said uh, Dice was your roommate. So, I have a story about a roommate. All right. Um, When all through college I worked at UPS... Shout out to UPS, Baltimore Hub, Primary One, Joe Avenue. (laughs) And um, I had a friend in college who knew I could never go out or hang out because I was always working nights at UPS. So I moved to California, and like six months later, he moves out. So at the time, we're living together. He, you know, I don't, I know him from college. I don't know him, know him at the time. I know him from college. I know him in classroom settings and here and there. And he moves in, and the first thing he wants to show me that he's proud that he has is this nine millimeter okay. that he keeps loading <laughs> with a post-it on it that says loaded. And I'm like, why don't you just fucking treat it like it's loaded? Like every snake is a king cobra. You know what I mean? Like it's a loaded gun. Slept with it under his pillow, and it always made me very, very, very nervous because he was a hothead and he had this weapon, a loaded weapon. In the apartment. But took the time to write a post. A post that actually said <laughs> Responsible. Loaded. Great handwriting, though. So, <laughs> I am at work one day. I have a writing job. And he's, you know, he's pretty new to the uh, there. And he's got all his shit around. And the gun's out. And um, in, I'm from Maryland. In Maryland, we don't have a lot of places. At least when I grew up, we didn't have gated access buildings where you call the house and pick up and buzz in. So, he had no idea what that was. Mm. And the phone rings, and he picks it up, and uh, the guy asks for me. He says, is Ryan Sickler there? He's like, no, he's actually at work. And I take a message. He's like, well, it's UPS. Now, he knew the entire time I worked in college, I worked at UPS. It was a thing because I could never hang out with him. So he assumes it's UPS from Baltimore calling. And there's the guy, he's like, hello? And the guy doesn't answer, so he hangs up the phone. It rings again. Is Ryan Sickler there? He's like, no, he's at work right now. Can I take a message? It's UPS. He's like, well, hello? And then there's nothing there. And he goes to himself. He goes, motherfucker. And he hangs the phone up. And then a minute later, there's a loud knock at the front door. And he opens the door, and there's a UPS man there. And he goes, oh, oh, you were at the front gate. You have a package for him. You don't understand. He worked at UPS. I thought you were calling from, and the guy goes, I don't give a fuck what you think. He said, next time you call somebody a motherfucker, why don't you say it to my face? (laughs) And he was like, I wasn't saying that to you. I was just, and the guy, he goes, you know what? Just give me the fucking package. So he takes the package, he signs for it, and then he goes to shut the door. And the UPS man puts his foot in our apartment and stops the door from shutting. And I don't want to say his name. My, My roommate wasn't a big dude. But he's trying to shut the door, and the UPS man's getting in his face with the door, his foot in the door. And then he steps in, and Mike reaches over and grabs the 9 millimeter, 
and pulls it up <laughs> his face with a loaded post-it on it. <laughs> said, now who's fucking, who's, who's the motherfucker? And the guy fucking threw his hands up, walked out, and then I get a call at work. I got to tell you something. I'm like, what? And he's like, I just pulled a gun on the UPS man. <laughs> say, say that again. Say it out loud and listen to the, the order of the words you just said. He's like, I just pulled a gun on the UPS man. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, had the loaded posted on it and everything. I'm like, what fucking happened? So he tells me that story. As he's telling me that story, the police show up. They ask my my roommate what happened and he tells them the story and they're like did he step in your apartment he's like he absolutely stepped foot in here and that's why i grabbed it i felt threatened and they were like all right we're not going to take your weapon it's legally registered you're in your right to defend yourself but we're getting sued by ups so now we have to go to court and there was an old man that lived down the, the hallway that uh I just felt bad for him. He was a retired state worker. I used to go sit and watch him boxing with him and stuff like that. And he happened to be home that day and saw everything. So he's like, I'm a witness. I'll come to court with you guys. We're like, great. So court day comes. And he was, he was dis, uh, you know, he had a little bit of disability. He couldn't walk well. So it was very difficult to get him down our building and into a fucking low-ass Honda Prelude. <laughs> so we got to court about 10 minutes late. And the judge was pissed. Like oh. UPS had already said their case, their pled their case and everything, and we start talking. <laughs> we start trying to fucking defend ourselves. And the judge goes, "Listen, I don't, I don't care. This is what's going to happen. That residence is permanently banned from UPS delivery for good. That's it. I don't want to hear your retired state worker story. I don't care if you're late. It's disrespectful. Get out of my court. So we leave, and we tell." His sister wants to send a package. We're like, send that shit FedEx. (laughs) She did not send it FedEx. And we never fucking got it. Like, to this day, that's supposed to be permanently permanently banned from UPS delivery. Now, the crazy thing is, because I have a question for you, is then I moved to an apartment after that. And it ended up being either... Andrew Dice Clay used to live in that apartment or he got mail there because his mail would come to that <laughs> apartment. Oh, it was the corner of Fountain and Havenhurst. Uh, and this would have been like 94. Yeah. yeah, it's later. Yeah. We were together at 78 till 81 yeah, or something like that. Yeah, so he moved and yeah. So, wow. Yeah, come back to Dice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Brian Siffler played a great hand here. I feel like he even could have raced. There was so much depth to his hand going from dealing with his roommate, pulling a gun on a UPS driver, getting their apartment banned from its route, and then the reveal of a direct connection to living in the same apartment that Andrew Dice Clay lived in. I thought he played this hand brilliantly. I thought it was a great story. I felt like I was watching Ryan at an actual poker game, wearing the sunglasses, wearing a visor, keeping his cards close to the vest, not revealing his ultimate hand until the very end. And I just thought it was really cool how he wrapped it all together, connected everything, and made the big callback to Dice Clay. Exactly. I thought he told more than a story. It felt like a trilogy. 78 to 81, Yakov and Dice living together. I wish I could have seen what that time looked like. Me too. Let's keep it going. Next up, we got Jeremiah Watkins. Uh, Another strong call. Let's see what he had to say. One of the first roommates that I had was uh, a, a close friend. It was like one of my best friends back in Kansas. And he was like becoming homeless. And my mom was sweet enough to let him stay with us. 
Now, this guy was like a total slacker. Like, uh, as far as like Kansas goes, like people would consider him like a punk. Like skinny jeans, smoke cigarettes, skateboarder, that kind of thing. So that's what you kind of need, need to know for later in the story. <laughs> so I get a phone call from my sister. Uh, it's like, you need to get home now. The cops are here. <laughs> and I go, what? Uh, and I, I was playing indoor soccer in Kansas. And I, like, rushed home. And they're like, like, the lights are on and the whole thing. And this is after, like, my friend had been living there, like, a few months. He wasn't paying rent, anything like that. And uh, I walk in, and the cop is questioning my mom on what's what happened, on what's going on. Found out this douchebag called the cops on my mom because my mom slapped him. Oh. Really? So then I'm like, Mom, what happened? <laughs> what happened in this situation? So she goes, okay, well... I asked Willie to come home and help me with yard work. That little shit hasn't paid me a cent living here for months. And I just asked him to pull some weeds with me, and that's it. And I said, please be here. At 4 o'clock, I'm going to be out in the yard. I need to to tend to my garden. (laughs) Willie doesn't show up, okay? So... He comes in late, strolls in, goes straight to the fridge, starts grabbing food out of there, and my mom comes out of the corner like a villain. She's like, how dare you show up (laughs) after you didn't help me out in the yard. And he said, fuck you, to my mom. And she goes, not in my head. (laughs) She slaps him across the face. Then he calls her bitch. And my mom goes, you messing with the wrong woman. She slaps him again so hard he falls down the stairs. (laughs) And so so I show up, the the cop is asking my mom, and like he starts asking me, he's like, you know, is this is this is this like something that your mom would do? And I'm like, no, my mom's the sweetest woman in the world. Like she would never do this. And my mom said, look at him. Just look at him. He probably slapped himself in the face. He's a troubled boy. And he had like a handprint on his face. He's like, I think that's what he did, actually. I'm trying to take him in. I'm trying to be a nice woman. I'm trying to, to take care of this boy. And he's troubled. He's, he's on drugs. <laughs> like, oh my God. Going up. No, and, man, this pampering has a wedding ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So my mom, like, so, like, you know, basically... We, like, as, as, a, as a family, we're like, you know, we, we've already had our tussles with the law in the past. And we're like, we know, how, we, know, we know how being completely honest always pays out as far as, like, cops going and stuff. Never works out. So, so we're like, no, no, we're most sweet, all this stuff. So basically, they, like, he moved out that night. And that's how we got him out of the house was my mom slapping him down the stairs because he was just, like, being a mooch, and uh, oh. yeah, so that's how uh, that was, yeah. that's how I got rid of my first roommate. That's the first round, guys. What a way to close out round one. That was probably one of my favorite stories. They were all amazing, but knowing Jeremiah's mom, that just made it all the better. Can you believe that? Fuck you to a mom. Fuck you to a mom. And called her a bitch. 
that's a that's a slap and some extra stuff too. If they were completely honest with the cops, like ideally they would have been like, "Yeah, you are in the right. <laughs> like, that's, you're completely right. In fact, you should hit him again just for good measure." Uh, so I thought that was a stronghold. I even thought that that could have been a raise, honestly. Uh, I felt that Jeremiah may have been holding back because he, I don't think he's told that story on stage before or anything like that, so you're never sure. But yeah, I think that he could have raised and it would have been a really solid move on his part. I agree with you, and so do the players that day because they voted for Jeremiah Watkins to win round one. Congratulations, Jeremiah. Let's get into round two right away. Yakov Smirnov won the ante again with the phrase Miller Light. He bet a thousand in chips. Danny, take us in. It's the second round. The pressure's on. The stories are different, but it's still the same song. Who knows what they're gonna talk about now? The winner of this goes to the final round. So I did a Miller Lite commercial, and the commercial was successful, and it was... Uh, in America, you can always find a party. In Russia, a party always finds you. And, uh, and uh, it kind of started my uh, career rolling. Um, and um, I was performing in the club in Washington, D.C. And this gentleman comes over and says that he's going to have President Reagan and Nancy Reagan for dinner at his house. And he would like me to be his guest as well which I thought was kind of a joke, but um, a week later he sends me tickets and, and um, I fly to Washington, D.C., and he meets me at the airport and we're going to his house. Um, and it's like a scene from a Die Hard because the <laughs> helicopters are hanging over the neighborhood and all the, um, all the streets are blocked off and there's FBI in, with machine guns and bulletproof vests and I'm thinking I'm in America very short time I'm not gonna, I'm not making through this <laughs> barrier and uh, so they pull up and uh, they ask the the gentleman the, his name is Arnold Borshagraf he uh, was the ed- chief editor of Washington Times newspaper so he asked him to step out of the car and so they search him get an ID and he he shows them one ID. They say, that's not enough. He says, well, I'm, I'm the owner of the house that the president is coming to. They say, we don't care. Um, we need more IDs. So he gives them another ID. And I'm sliding down in the passenger seat going, this is not going to end up well. And um, so finally, they're done with him. And the guy shines the light on me. And I'm like, OK, now what's going to happen? And he says, Miller Lite commercial, right? (laughs) Go in. Oh, my God. That's great. Top security. (laughs) Top notch. Reagan administration. So that's an awesome story by Yakov Smirnov. He got to use his Miller Lite credit to go see Ronald Reagan. I hope I get to do that someday. I'm sure Donald Trump will want to see you very soon. I, I just got to give a shout out to Yakov Smirnov. Like, that was a concise, powerful story. It feels like every time Yakov told a story, he, he's like cutting it with a knife. Like, he knows exactly the precise cut, and that's what makes it fun to listen to because you know that there's meat coming around every corner. Exactly. And again, this 
employed so many topics that people could draw from and so i'm really excited to see where the round goes we had presidencies we had beer we had commercials so a lot is open emily maya mills called let's see what her story was about emily i made a very bad decision many times but this one time in particular uh, i wanted to make it home to san francisco from la to my friend's baby shower i think it was and i I'd been sort of MIA because I'd been broke and hustling down here for so long. And so this was, uh, I think, at the dawn of Craigslist ride shares. Uh, this is pre, you know, Uber or any kind of ride sharing. Uh, it was a very bad idea. It was about 35 bucks to get into some stranger's car and get up to San Francisco. Uh, the most you got out of it was like, what kind of car do you have? What year was it? And can I see your driver's license? And this dude was like, my name's Dave, and it's like a 89 Civic. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't really have time to Xerox this uh, driver's license right now, but I'll pick you up at the metro station in North Hollywood at 8 o'clock, and you can be there or not. And I was like, okay, I can get there on time. That sounds like this is what the route I'm going to take. So I agreed. I went out to the North Hollywood train station with my duffel bag, I go to get into this car. There's three other dudes in it. They all seem relatively cool, and I'm assuming they know each other, but none of them do. There's, like, who the dude I called Low Ponytail in the front. <laughs> so Low Ponytail's in the front, and then there's the, uh, the Italian exchange student or whatever who's just trying to get to San Jose to get on a flight to go back to Italy. And this oh is how God. he chose to get oh up there to make the flight. So I get in the car, we throw my duffel bag in the back, and we start driving up the five, and immediately I realize the windows don't roll up or down. They're halfway down and can't go up, <laughs> can't go down. Car smells like gasoline, and the radio's broken. And the dude in the front seat who's driving, is his whole reason for going to the Bay Area is that he's a professional tagger. Uh, he's going up to do live graffiti at uh, some kind of, like, concert warehouse show in Oakland. <laughs> the thing that he writes is utter, and I don't mean like U-T-T-E-R or U-D-D-E-R, which would be two English words. It's just like U-D-E-R, and no, he doesn't even, doesn't even know what it means. It's like he grabs some SpaghettiOs and threw them at the wall and was like, that'll be it. Uh, so we start driving up the five. We finally have to stop for gas. We pull over in a gas station in the middle of nowhere on the five. The car doesn't start. And we're all, I'm just like, fuck, I'm looking for a hotel. I'm looking for a motel. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm panicking finally. And um, somebody uh, jiggled the battery and the car started. And we kept driving. Jiggled the battery. We're like three quarters of the way up. A piece of the car flies off. Low ponytail's like, what was that? <laughs> Utter is like, I don't know, man. Just keep driving. <laughs> We're all like, okay, bye, piece of the car. We get to the first touchdown of civilization in the Bay Area, which is like Livermore or Dublin or something. Get pulled over immediately because, of course, the cops are like, what are you? This, what is this combination of people? I had scarves all over my head. There's, like, Italian dude just chain-smoking out the window. And uh, they pulled us over, and I think his car was full of spray cans. But they, they were like, what are you guys doing? And I was like, we're a Craigslist ride chair. <laughs> and they kind of got it, because I was like, don't make me have to catch a cab from Livermore to my mom's house right now. Just, like, let us roll. And they did, for whatever reason. And then we keep driving. The guy's like, 
uh, so good because like I did get this car from my friend recently and the re- like it's not really transferred and I do have a warrant to <laughs> wear. I was like, God. what? Jesus. And the last thing we did as we drove into the city was he went uh, through fast track without stopping by accident and was like, am I going to get a ticket? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. 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 Uh, take man. me to my mom's mm-hmm. house. Goodbye. I love that story. Especially because it was so interesting how she connected it. It wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with Hollywood or celebrity or anything like that. She picked a road trip that Yakov mentioned in his story to create this fundamentally different and engaging story that entered in all sorts of aspects that all the rest of the players could can now pull from. Yeah, I mean, just picturing these four people in an 89 Honda Civic. Uh, it just it just makes me happy. It reminds me of all the road trips I took when I was younger. Incredible. It was perfect. And I think now we have a Renee Gautier with another story. Yeah, I, I, she called and it was another strong call. So, Renee, let's hear it. I'll raise your I mean, I'm going to call just because I ain't no pussy. But <laughs> I don't feel like my story is going to be that good. But you made me think of this because uh, you were talking about going for a baby shower. And I, um, I have this thing, I'm not sure why, but people, even if I haven't seen them in like 10 years, will immediately tell me everything. <laughs> like it's the weirdest thing in the world. Like when I go home to Chicago, if I run into people I went to high school with, they're always like, like literally just recently I ran into this girl who married a guy we went to high school with. And I go, oh my God, how are you? And she's like, we're getting divorced. And I was like, I, I. Um, but the same thing happened to me um, a couple years ago where I was at a Target, and this girl that I went to high school with was, like, fully pregnant, and she was like, oh, my God. And I literally, we're not even Facebook friends. Um, so and she was like, oh, would you come to my baby shower? And I was like, fuck. Because nobody likes baby showers. Like, nobody, no girl. I don't, I don't know if you love them. I love them. I love the food. <laughs> I do not. Here's why I don't love them. Because they melt chocolate bars and diapers for you to pick. Which, which candy bars melted as poop? And this, like, I'll never eat a snicker again. You have to decorate puffy paint onesies. And, like, I can't. I want to, but I, anyway. I didn't want to go to this fucking shower. Plus, I don't know her. If it's my family, I'll go and I'll enjoy it. (laughs) But I don't know her. I assume I'm going to see all these people that I went to high school with. So I go because I don't know how to say no and I'm bad with conflict. And I sat down. It was a tea party, which was even more annoying because there wasn't, like, food. It was, like, macaroons. And I was like, I'm so hungry. (laughs) Like, we grew up in an Italian neighborhood. Like, where's the pasta? I'm sitting at a table, and we're in our 30s, so everyone's, like, looking at each other. Like, if you don't have a kid or if you're not pregnant, like, what's your story? (laughs) So I'm sitting. I'm surrounded by two girls I've never met. I've never met these girls. The girl looks at me almost like, I better tell you. So I slipped into a coma. I was like, (laughs) yeah, okay. Uh, And she was like, so I'm on medication and we're charting, which I don't really know what that means. But I'm like, okay. She said she was charting and she said they weren't sure because of the medication if it was a good idea to have a baby. She had slipped into a fucking coma. And the thing is, is that you can tell me that, but I can't ask why and how you slipped into a coma because then it becomes rude. Then you're like, you're the dick because you're like, what the fuck happened? Who cares about your baby? Fake baby because you don't have one yet. What happened? Why were you in a coma? How'd you get out? And uh, I didn't ask her those questions. So right when I'm going to like 
I don't know what I'm going to say. The girl literally to my right goes, ah, I know what you mean. And I'm like, oh God, why do you know what she means? And she's like, when I was 19, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? And then they both tell her, she's like, and we're not sure again, uh, agreed the medication. We're not sure. I might get off of it just to have a baby, but it goes in this whole thing. And I'm just like, don't get off the medication. (laughs) So she looked, they both stop and they, you know that, no pun intended, that pregnant pause where everyone just looks at you kind of like, so, you now. And I, I, like, in my head want to flip the table and be like, I chose career, and, like, run. But I could not, like, think of anything. And so I just go, I have a tilted uterus. <laughs> and, and the girl next to me goes, oh, you know you can get that flipped. And I go, because you can. So when I was told I had a tilted uterus, my doctor did say I can flip it right if you want. And I, I said, no. But I go, because it sounded like it fucking hurt. But she goes, oh, you know you can get that corrected. I go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, no. Like, if he wants it, he'll work for it. <laughs> and I was like, I should just, like, crash a teacup and get the fuck out of here. So that is my story. What a great story. That was Renee Gauthier, and I think she introduced me to my new favorite phrase, tilted uterus. Absolutely loved it. I thought she told a very concise story with a bunch of punchlines. I just laughed a lot. Very funny stuff. Yeah, that's what I loved about this story. I thought this was a great call on Renee's part because she took the minorest detail of Emily's story and created this whole new narrative that opens up a whole host of new opportunities for you know the rest of the players to pick from. I thought it was a really smart call. So next we have Ryan Sickler who called with what I'm sure is his own tilted uterus story. Honestly, I can't imagine what else it could be. So Ryan, let's hear it. Going back to... 97. Uh, I'm an Oriole fan, and every time they come to Anaheim, I would go out to the games, and the Orioles used to suck, and so did the Angels, and you could get a cheap ticket and go sit in some of the best seats, right? So I had a whole routine where I would take a six-pack of Miller Lite. I like cheap beer. I don't like any of the IPAs or any of the crab beers. I really, I'm just a light beer drinker. And uh, <laughs> I take a six-pack, and I used to go to the corner of this parking lot, and I would buy a scalp ticket. And then I would go across the street in this little like business parking lot where some locals showed me if you hop a curb way back in the corner, you can get in there and park for free. So I would tailgate by myself in there, drink my Miller Lite, <laughs> smoke a little weed, go in and root for the Orioles. This one particular weekend, uh, comedian John Huck hits me up and he's a baseball fan. And he's like, hey, are you going out? And I was like, I always go out. He's like, can I come with you? I'm like, of course, I'd love some company. So the two of us go out, we get our scalp tickets, and we go over to the parking lot, and we're sitting in the middle of this, you know, it's like a business, like DWP's there, it's like a business lot, huge, like a hundred spaces around us. I bring two sand chairs, we're just kicking it in the parking lot, smoking weed, drinking Miller Lite. And down in that corner where you can hop the curb, all of a sudden, super aggressive, this like pickup truck with a cab on the back, hops the curb, <laughs> and just starts gunning right at us. And there's... Tons of space around us, and they're gunning right at us, and they whip up real fucking fast and park maybe two spaces away from us, and we're like, what the fuck's that all about? Tinted windows, we can't see anything. This lady gets out, the driver's side, and she's like, what's up? We're like, what's up? And she throws open the passenger door, and she takes this lady out who doesn't have legs, and she's holding her in her arms, and she goes to the back and she pu- 
pulls the tailgate down, like one hand, and puts her in a wheelchair, rolls her up next to us, and goes, what the fuck's up, guys? And we're like, <laughs> what the fuck is <laughs> And we're looking at each other like, what? And she's like, we got jello shots, we got this. We were like, you know what? Let's lean into this shit. <laughs> so we're jello shooting, and, and they're smoking weed with us. We're all drinking and laughing and stuff. And every she's like a local celebrity there. So we start rolling in with her. Literally. No <laughs> And, uh, you know, she's like, why don't you guys bring the, the, the alcohol and stuff? And we're like, they're not, you know, the frisco, they're not going to let us. Because she's like, they let me bring whatever I'm, you know. And we were kind of like, well, I, you don't have legs. You know what I mean? They're not going to really stress you too hard. You don't have legs. So we go in, and they've got the best fucking seats. And every, she's high-fiving everybody on the way in. She's like, she's my new friend. And they're like, hey, you know, whatever, Janice. And so we sit with them. And then <laughs> after about the third or fourth inning, we were like, all right, we're going to go do our own thing now. But it was fucking awesome meeting you two and partying with you. So like a year later, I'm at the Brea Improv. And I'm doing a show. And I tell that story. And I forget I'm in, you know, Southern California. At the end of the show, I'm out in the lobby meeting people. And this lady walks up to me and goes, what's up? And I go, no, fuck it. She's like, it's me. I'm like, you're the, yeah, you're the one with legs. Yes, you are. And she's like, that was me. You just told that story. And I go, I've never told that story on stage before in my wow. fucking oh my life. And, wow. you just, and you're here? She's like, yep. I'm like, how's that girl? She's like, she's good. She's good. I was like, oh, unbelievable. Took a picture and then off into the night. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I really think Ryan should have raised on this hand. It just built and built and built. And to have it all tied together with the lady showing up at his show a year later, this was great beginning, middle, and end. This was almost a perfect hand. Ryan's hand was more than a story. It felt like he was taking us on a journey, which I appreciate because I never leave my house because I'm alone. Forever alone. Okay, well, you know who's not alone is Jeremiah Watkins. He's getting married this year, and he is up next with another powerful call. Jeremiah, let's hear your tale. So alone. It's okay, man. Let's just, let's get into the story. I took this road trip, very, very stereotypical, like, like right after high school, like, we, oh, Kansas, like, oh, we got to go to California. <laughs> <laughs> So we drove from Kansas to like Vegas and then California, which is like a 25 or so hour drive. Uh, and uh, we went with, uh, actually, Willie was on this trip. <laughs> this, is, this is when we were still good friends. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is before. My mom got so uh, me, <laughs> my buddy Willie, Joe Grace, Tom, uh, Ryan, we all go out there. It's like two different cars, uh, a Honda Prelude and a Honda Civic. So we have this great road trip out to California, but a couple of the guys did not budget their money properly at all. And we literally had to cut the trip short <laughs> because guys were running out of money and we couldn't call our families to wire us money. It was the dumbest stuff. Also, one of the reasons why this guy was running out of money, he got three speeding tickets on the way out to California, including 
his car getting towed in San Francisco. It was the most country I've ever felt. We were in Denver and and we were parking at a at a at a meter and I had never seen one before. <laughs> How old were you when you saw your first meter? <laughs> there was like 18. <laughs> I never or if I had seen them, my parents were putting money in and I was like, la da It's like going off. So like People were looking at us in Denver like, you guys are retarded. Like, what are you doing right? We don't know. What are these things right here? And they're like, move your car forward into the space and line it up. And they're like, when the right, then what? Oh <laughs> like, like, put money in, read the signs that are right there. So we learned what a meter was. Uh, but, but, not, but not very well, obviously, because one of the guys got towed in San Francisco because he wasn't used to using meters. So we have to cut this trip way short. And this is like, we're building this trip up. Like, this is our, our summer adventure, all this stuff. And we only spent a day, like, in each place. So we were back within a week. <laughs> so... so we're on our way back, and we're, we're, we're kind of down because, you know, we had to cut the trip short. I fall asleep in the back of Willie's car in this, uh, this two-door Accord. My buddy Joe's in the passenger seat. Willie's driving. And I wake up to my head hitting the side of the window and a semi colliding with us Whoa. side to side. And I look, and, and Accords sit really low. Yeah. And I'm watching the semi hit us multiple times. And, uh, you know, we, we, Joe's like, pull over, pull over, get the, like, get the car off the road. And Willie like gets it over as far on the left side of, of the highway as, as possible. We're somewhere in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming at this point. So we pull over and we're not completely off the highway and we're just sitting there kind of shocked and dazed. And then our the wheel flies stop. by the, the semi pulls over on the right uh, shoulder and we, we, so we stop and we're dazed, and then we see our tire fly by, like oh my God. fifty miles, however fast. Like, <laughs> this semi uh, truck driver, he gets out and he comes at us, and he's like, "You guys hit me!" Like, like starts going off on Willie. And he's like, "What do you mean, man? Like, I don't know. Like, you hit us. Like, all this stuff." Didn't see this other, uh, this other man that pulled up but he like like shut that guy up and he's like we need to get this car off the road before another accident happens that's what happens like i'm i'm gonna i'm a truck driver this happens all the time people look to see what's happening and then they hit get hit behind them so he helps us push the car off like into the ditch and he like calmed down this guy and he's like he told me to go stand on uh, on the hill on the other on the on the shoulder of the highway to like to get out of the way cuz i'm all like disoriented i just hit my head whatever and uh, he calms this this other truck driver uh, down and he has a, a semi that had pulled up behind him so now there's two semis on on the side of the shoulder and uh, I go take a dump while they're like figuring it out. Like, I got, I got scared. I got scared. I got scared. I had to get it out. I got, I'm getting loose bowels this So, you found out what a meter was? You got a whole life. What is this world? So, so. This this guy who helped us get the car off the road and calm down the semi driver and like help us call the cops and everything, we never saw him pull up in his semi, 
and we never saw him leave. Large Marsh. Large Marsh. Large so we thought that that was our semi truck guardian angel <laughs> came to save us. Meanwhile, you're thinking us. Wake up in the hospital three days later. <laughs> and, and that's that's basically the gist of the story. But but, but <laughs> we take Willie's car like it gets towed to this local tow truck place, and his car is demolished on the side. What bad and, luck! And his wheel his wheel is now a square instead of a wheel and this dude he looks straight at the guy who's like fix trying to like see if he can fix the car and he goes so you think we'll be able to put a wheel back on this thing and like get this thing back on the road it's obviously total so bad and the and this mechanic looks at him like no bro (laughs) this car is done and then we had to cram in the in the in the inside of the the two-door honda prelude five of us and most of us were pretty tall, and we had to drive the rest of the way back to Kansas. Oh, yeah. All right. I will say, uh, I got ran over in one of those situations, so it's a good thing you had that angle. You went yeah. under the tires? What? You went under the tires? Yeah. Oh, oh my shit. God. I, I was not going to, when I woke up, the tire was spinning in my face off the, off the ground. Jesus, that's scary. Jesus. Wow. Yeah, it was terrible. But uh, it wasn't a funny story, which is why I didn't bring it up. <laughs> That was Jeremiah Watkins with a very meaty story again. I mean, he, he was near death at one point. I really think he should have raised. He had a great hand. It was an amazing story, full of so much detail packed into this perfectly constructed narrative. I just feel like in the future, players are going to need to utilize the gambling skills and just have that confidence in your stories. I completely agree with you, Jeffrey. I think the more players see and listen to the show, the more they'll learn that gambling can actually come as their advantage in winning story poker. Exactly. I mean, either way, Jeremiah had a great story. And that took us to the end of round two. The winner of this round, after the votes came in, was Emily Maya Mills. She took it down, so big congratulations to her as she goes into the final showdown to face our chip leader from round one, Jeremiah Watkins. This is going to be a great final showdown between two amazing competitors. Emily's auntie was selected with the phrase, ghosts are real. It's exciting, it's haunting, it's mystical. She bet 5,000 in chips. Here's the final showdown between Jeremiah Watkins and Emily Maya Mills. Danny... Take us into the showdown. It's the final round. It's come to this. You better stay tuned because you don't want to miss the final tales of who will win. So let me shut up so that they can begin. I used to work at a hotel on the Sunset Strip that um, we all probably know to some degree is called the Standard Hotel. It used to be uh, uh, in the 70s, 60s and 70s, it was called the Thunderbird Motel, and then it was actually an old folks home for a long time. So there were um, uh, there was a morgue in the basement where they would just, because when you die and you're elderly, you don't need an autopsy. They're just like natural causes. We'll just throw you in the fridge and call your next of kin, you know? And uh, But people were always talking about how this hotel was haunted. And when I first moved to L.A., I was like, yeah, I'll work graveyard because I'm going to need my days open for auditions. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like four years before anyone ever calls you for anything. So I was just, but you were available. It was available, yes, yeah. Right. I was available with very twitchy eyes. But uh, I worked there, and people were convinced that there were ghosts, that it was haunted. 
And the truth is that I very quickly became a food and beverage manager. I was like very young. And for some reason, you know, it's a graveyard shift. People quit immediately. I was like the head head server in three weeks training everybody else who worked there. And the thing about that place is that it fills up like a Denny's at two o'clock in the morning. So like you have to have some grit and be able to handle shit. So they made me a manager pretty quickly. And that was at least enough for me to like, you know, have an office to go to sometimes. And the office was downstairs in what used to be the morgue. So... Whatever. I'm not scared. I come in one morning at 6 a.m. And the guy I was relieving was like in a sweat, flop sweat in the office. Uh, he had all of security down in the office. <laughs> he had was on the phone with his mom at the time uh, in some other time zone that he'd woken her up in the middle of the night. He was sweating. And they all were convinced. They were all stunned silent. And they were like, you don't understand. Shit went down. And I was like, okay. So they start explaining to me that this happened on the second floor and then that happened on the next floor and then they came down and they're not fucking lying, but that water cooler <laughs> fucking jumped. As they were talking about it, it jumped. And like he calls his mom. They're all freaking out. They've seen it all. They're all on board. I think they were probably all doing a lot of cocaine, <laughs> if we're being honest. But as we're sitting there and they're telling me this very intense story, the water cooler, right? It bounces like the, all I can tell you is that the water shot out of itself within. And then this is what I've always sort of been able to give to the idea of ghosts, which is like you, perhaps there's the ability to move things energetically, <laughs> right? So what happens is the water, I'm like, okay, so the water explodes. That's weird, but it's going like this and it's rocking back and forth with equal velocity for an interminable amount of time. Like, it doesn't stop ever matching itself. So it's like, it's like a teeter-totter with two people on it, and it never stops. So we're just watching it. We're all watching it. And it's like, that's, that's physically weird, right? It seems odd and not quite of our understanding. I'm like, okay, I'll give you that. All right, I feel a little freaked out. <laughs> sure, okay, something's weird, something's up. I'm not convinced of anything. I go upstairs for my shift. I go into the restaurant. And I go into the bathroom, and I have this giant key ring full of keys. It's like a manager on duty key ring for all the keys of the whole hotel. And I sit down, and I put it on a purse hook in the, in the handicapped bath stall, so it's right in front of me, and it's clicking. It starts clicking back and forth. Same th it's doing the same thing, like where it's, it's swinging with the same velocity, and it never slows. I mean, that's like all I can say about it to the point where it freaks me out. Like, it doesn't stop. It never slows down until I grab the key ring. And I was like, fuck this. And I get out of the bathroom. I'm walking through the restaurant. There's a woman at table one, white hair, oh. just kind of like whispering in the wind that's not in there. You know what I mean? Like steel blue eyes and this like very serene smile on her face. And she looks at me in the face and she goes, the spirits are active today. Oh, oh no. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I shit you not. And I was like, okay, I got you get it. You can have it. I believe you. Whatever it is, just don't put on a sheet. You know what I mean? And that's my story. Oh, also, I was like, got did get hit on by Vincent Gallo in that, and that's yeah. another reason I believe ghosts are real. <laughs> so I was like, there was a ghost So I have always been, I guess, open to the thought that there could be spirits or ghosts or whatever. Because we had a ghost that my sister saw in one of our childhood homes growing up where she would literally be eating breakfast and she would scream bloody murder 
from seeing this this ghost girl. And my mom and dad tried to to you know blow it off as a, as a thing where. You know, it was just from the scary movies that she, she might have saw, whatever. So, the, but the girl who she was seeing had, like, dark hair, um, but, like, she could see her face and everything. It wasn't, like, covered up. <laughs> like, she coming out of a well and all that stuff. So, <laughs> let's not be crazy. Let's not be crazy. Let's not be crazy. To be fair, we don't know where she Right. We don't know. Just to be fair. So, this would happen for months at random, most morning, night, didn't matter. Different parts. My sister would see her like on the balcony. She'd see her in her, her room in the bathroom. We would hear my sister scream, and then like my parents would freak out and <laughs> try to figure out what was going on. So her and a friend they named the ghost, and they started making fun of the girl, which in every horror movie says don't do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In this. <laughs> They never saw the ghost again. It was like some weird bullying thing where the ghost's like, oh, you're going to make fun of me? <laughs> well, then I'm out, okay? I just wanted to make friends, and you're making fun of me? So I started believing, like, okay, there could be ghosts. My sister had this experience. So I was over at my friend uh, Max's house in the basement one night and are talking about what kind of what we're talking about right now, like like what we believe, like all this stuff, and we're, like, in a, a dark uh, basement and all that's lighting the room is the TV, like the flicker of the TV. And we keep talking about how we believe in demons and how we believe in ghosts and all these spirits and stuff and kind of start freaking each other out a little bit. And we keep talking and I'm looking at Max and every time I blink, Max looks like he's being pushed away from me. <laughs> and I blink again and it's like, you know those shots like in a movie where it's like pull, pulling out? It literally felt like that. Roy Shatter and Jaws. Yeah. Spielberg all day right there. Yeah. <laughs> My friend Max goes very seriously, Jeremiah, step into the light. I go, what? He goes, Jeremiah, step into the light. And I lean forward and I start, my, my vision gets better again, like seeing Max. <laughs> And I didn't tell him what I was feeling or anything that was going on. He goes, Jeremiah, I don't know if you're going to believe this. But I just saw two hands pulling your face and an old face behind it. Oh, my Holy shit. Shit. Come now. I did not tell Max what I was going through at all. Fast forward to I'm telling this story again <laughs> at a radio show about ghosts. And I tell that story and everything. The whole power goes out oh on, on, on the station and, and like, like literal like static and stuff and everything is going on. And basically, uh, it, I believe in ghosts because of like a couple of those encounters now. Because oh one touched yeah. touch me, supposedly. Oh. Yeah, right. Perfect timing. I know, but what is that? Seriously. <laughs> what a great ending. Emily Maya Mills won the final showdown with a two-to-one vote from the other players, crowning her this week's Story Poker champion. Congratulations to Emily Maya Mills. Huge thanks to all our players this week, Renee Gautier, Ryan Sickler, Jeremiah Watkins, and Yakov Smirnoff. Follow them on all their social media platforms, which are all linked below. 
follow us across all social media platforms at Story Poker. And make sure to check out our next Story Poker Live at the Lyric Hyperion Theater on Thursday, July 27th at 10 p.m. Tickets are on sale at storypoker.net. Get them now. Also, please make sure to subscribe, rate, comment, and share Story Poker with everyone you know. Until next week, I'm Omid Singh. I'm Jeffrey Baldinger. Thank you for listening to Story Poker!